Okay. Yes, yes, five nights. Let's go. <laughs> okay, let's skip that one. What I wanted to do is I wanted to start here. I want to kind of give you guys an image of earthly wisdom, uh, demonic wisdom, or, or the wisdom that comes from Satan. I wanted to, I wanted to get you a, a picture, and I guarantee, because I know we've been talking a lot of negative stuff about all this. It's been kind of negative because it's all been about earthly wisdom and not godly wisdom. We're going to get there. We, I promise you we're going to get there. But I want to kind of give you a picture and kind of break it down so you have an idea of, uh, that you can photograph, I guess. So we got this earthly wisdom, and earthly wisdom is always devised by Satan. There is no earthly wisdom that is not of his doing, of his creation. So again, breaking it down in, in three categories. Over top right, demonic possession, and we're not going to spend any time on that, at least for what we're trying to accomplish here. And the reason why is that it's not... For us, it's really not a big deal. Demonic possession is really not a big deal for us. I've been married to my wife, April, for 43 years. We've lived in basically, well, we lived in two houses for 43 years. Um, lived in Henderson County for 43 years. Neither one of us have ever come in contact with any demons. We just haven't. Uh, and I know, I know the history of a lot of you, and I know for you all, that you all haven't come in contact with a lot of demons either. There's really a scripture that kind of backs that up. It's, um, it, and now I've, oh, it's in James 5. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's what the scripture says. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We resist the devil by, of course, becoming believers in Jesus Christ. And John MacArthur, can, my, one of my uh, theologic heroes can back me up on this i've heard him say really when you're a believer in jesus christ the devil really doesn't have much to do with you he really doesn't in terms of the demonic possession you've resisted him so he flees from you so he doesn't really have much influence on you and i agree with that I, again april and i 43 years of marriage we're both believers we've yet to see a demon yet to encounter one yet to be around him yet yeah just we're just not going to focus there. Now, I've already said way too much about it, haven't I? This one, this one has been a problem for April and I because we're both natural. We're both human beings. That means that we possess a sin nature. We possess emotions that get the best of us. We possess impulses. April and I both have desires and thirsts. We have both, April and I are both capable of being self-centered. So this has been a much, much big pro bigger problem for April and myself rather than demonic possession. Have you guys ever heard that say, with friends like that who, knew, who needs enemies? It's almost like Satan is saying, with people like us, why do I need demons? I got you. You acting in and of yourself, you're going to mess it up and screw it up anyway. So why, why do I even need demons? You're going to screw it up. And, that, and as I look... At my life, yeah, Satan didn't need that to get to me. He could just use that. And he could do a lot of damage that way. The last one over here is earthly, if-then wisdom. And then this is where we spend quite a bit of time. And if you remember, there was this, this historical path. In the 1300s, we'd had humanism. 1600s, agnosticism comes into play. And then Charles Darwin, 1839, evolution. 
all of that fits together to create this great, horrible thing called relativism. And really, when you look in the world today, relativism is what rules is, and is ruling the world more and more and more and more. And it's all of Satan. It's all of, all of the devil. All of that, and I was thinking this week, Proverbs 14, 12. There's a way which seems right to a man. What is that way? What is that way? There is a way which seems right to a man. What is that way? It's relativism. There's a way which seems right to a man. Relativism seems right to a man. But its end is the way of what? The way is the end of death. This is an interesting word. Death is an interesting word here. There are two Hebrew words. This is all Hebrew. There are two Hebrew words that, that, kind of, that you can use death. One word means that immediate death. I have a massive heart attack. I fall over. I die. Death. That's that Hebrew word. The Hebrew word that's used here, though, is for the world of death. The world of death. The Jews have a word. When they talk about the 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 uh, the world that is death, they use the word Shiloh, and probably a lot of you have heard the word Shiloh. Shiloh doesn't quite mean hell. Doesn't quite go there. When you go to the Old Testament, really hell is never mentioned in the Old Testament. Hell is not mentioned. Now, having said that, I know some of you have translations because there have been translators who said have said, well, basically. Sheol, Sheol is hell, but it's not. The Jew concept, the Jewish concept of Sheol was just this utter darkness. We pass from this life, still conscious, we still have a consciousness, we pass from this life and we're into utter darkness. We pass from this life and we're to utter stillness. Nothing's moving. We're still conscious, but it's utterly black, utterly dark, and utterly still. The best analogy I could think of to describe this for you, can you imagine being placed in a coffin alive and then buried alive and still being conscious? That's shield. You're conscious, but in your utter blackness, utter stillness, you can't really do anything. That's the concept. Now, Think about it. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death, Sheol. Think about following that, leading to that. We're going to allude to that two more times here, and I want and hopefully make a connection here. Not sure it's going to work, but we're going to give it a whirl and see what happens with it. All right. So James' words then become prophetic. If there's a world that's going towards relativism, if we have a society going towards relativism, then his words here become prophetic. Because when that happens, if we go towards relativism, then many gods rule. All the many gods of the world get to rule. And so in James 3.16, we find this. If that happens, here's going to be the result. Where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. Oh, by the way, I'm in James, by the way. I forgot. <laughs> if you guys will get your pew Bibles out and you'll look at that, you can go along with it. I forgot to ask you that or follow the Bible you have. So let's break down those words and we have to break them down the Greek because the Greek's gonna give us the best meaning for them. 
Jealousy. When we think of jealousy, we think of jealousy simply in terms of, I don't know, Isaiah's got something and I want it. I'm jealous of Isaiah because he has something I don't have. That's what we think of a jealousy. That's why that becomes kind of a weak translation here. That word actually in the Greek is zelos. And it means fierceness of, indig of indignation. I almost couldn't say it. Fierceness of indignation. So, it is, so it's not, a, it's not a, a super coveting, but it's being really indignant about things. In other words, instead of Isaiah having something I wanted, I'm just, I'm, I just, uh, he has made me so mad. I wanted whatever, and he's in my way. And I'm indignant because he's in my way about something. That's the idea. This fierce indignation. That's the proper definition. The second word here, selfish ambition, erathia, promoting self with a partisan, a fractitious attitude. In other words, I know what I want. And Isaiah, you better not get in my way. I'm going to knock your head off. That's the idea. That's the idea. It's not like, well, you can have it too, Isaiah. I have you. No, you're in my way, and I will tear your heart out if you get in my way. That's the idea of these two words. These two words are they're angry, they're fierce, they're ugly, they're they're self-centered to the nth degree. It's, oh, I am the most important part here. That's the whole idea. Where those two things exist, then we have two results. We have this. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that word. <laughs> I listen to it and I'm thinking, that Greek guy who invented that word is on drugs or he's drunk or something to come up with, with that crazy word. But as you look, you say, well, yeah, it kind of fits, doesn't it, really? It's a result. When you have that, if you got me and Isaiah and we're going back and forth, if we're doing that, obviously, we've got instability and we've got confusion. That's two people. The thing about it, if you've got three people, four people, five people, think if you've got a whole society, a whole society that buys into this, that's got to be the result. And the word that got me most was this word, fallow. It looks like evil, right? Or it's translated evil. Such an interesting word. That word doesn't mean, we're not talking about um, witches and, and Harry Potter's bad guys, you know, all these evil things. We're, that's not what that word means. That word phalon means it's completely worthless. It's zero good. Nothingness. It is nothing. Zero. Worthless completely. That struck me. Because I read that, and I'm thinking, well, evil, you're talking about demons or evil spirits. But no, it's just talking about that. So if we, if we put this again in the verse in Proverbs, there is a way which seems good to a man. And that way which seems good to a man is full of jealousy. It's full of, of selfish ambition. There is a way which seems the way a man should go. But in the end... That way ends up what? It's worthless. It's zero good. 
Ladies and gentlemen, think of all the people who are not believers, who go through their lives as non-believers, and they buy into this earthly wisdom. Every single day, it's earthly wisdom. They think, they think life is going pretty good for them. But in the end, what? It's nothingness. It's worthless. It's zero. What's better? Absolutism, which is the opposite of relativism. How does the world react to absolutism? The world hates the concept of absolutism. Why? Because if we live in absolutism, then there's a definite right and wrong. There's no gray area. And if there's no gray area, I don't get to do what I want. But think about it this way, and you parents, you'll know this. Parents, did you, when you had this six-month-old, this year-old, did you have to teach that one-year-old, that two did you have to teach them how to be bad? Did you? Did you have to teach them how to be bad? No. You had to teach them what? How to be good. You had to teach them how to be good. What did you use? You had to use absolutes, didn't you? You get a phone call from school and you find out, oh my gosh, little Susie bit a kid. So you rush down to the school and you look at little Susie and you say, little Susie, why'd, why'd you bite the kid? And little Susie says, Chucky pulled my hair. And you say, that doesn't matter. I don't care if little Chucky pulled your hair. You do not bite. Is that absolute? You get another phone call. All of a sudden, little Susie, she bit somebody else. You go down there. Little Susie, why? You bit little Chucky again. He pushed me down. Doesn't matter. You don't bite another kid. Another phone call. Little Susie bit a kid. You go down there. <sighs> Little Susie, what happened? Chucky called you the ugliest, worst mom in the world. <sighs> okay, you can bite him a little bit. Just a little. But isn't that relativism, though? Now we're into relativism. Now it's okay to bite right? It's a joke, but that's relativism. Absolutism is truth defined by God. Because you can't have absolutism. You cannot create absolutism for yourself. You can't. Nobody can. Non-believers believe. You cannot create absolutisms for yourself. Absolutisms always have to come from an outside source. Always. They're objective. What I mean by objective. The reason why you can't create an absolutism is because you're going to let your emotions and your feelings and your beliefs and all that, you're going to let that enter into that absolutism. You're going to let it all in, and then, then it's no good because it's not objective. You've created something that's based strictly on the way you believe, simply on the way you, you feel, and so you can't do it. All absolutes have to come from outside of you. 
outside of us. They're also universal. An absolute has a quality that this is always right. Doesn't matter if I'm in Australia, doesn't matter if I'm in China, doesn't matter if I'm in Brooklyn, an absolute is always right in all those places. Also, it's always been right. It was right back in the 1800s, it's right in the 1900s, it's gonna be right in the future. That's the quality of an absolute. It's both universal and it's objective. It's not situational, it's God-centered and it's biblically based. That's the way it is. Now think of it in this sense, and this is important for us to know about unbelievers, non-believers. Non-believers cannot be absolutists. They can't. And non-believers can only be relativists. They can only think in a relative way. Only believers can think in an absolute way. If an atheist comes up and says to me, you know what, I'm gonna create an absolute. I'm gonna say what it's based on. The atheist is gonna say what? Based on what I believe. Well, you don't believe in God, no. So it's based on what I believe. What makes it absolute? Just because you believe it? I'm, I'm supposed to buy into it just because you believe it? No, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't, it can't. All an atheist can do is create relative ideas, relativist ideas, and maybe, hopefully, maybe somebody catches on to that. But an atheist cannot create an absolute. Now, we can go down that road deeper. We're not going to go down that road deeper because you guys could say, well, what about this? What about this? And I'd be glad to talk to you with you about it. But I guarantee you, at every single point, it's still a relative idea. Only believers can deal in absolutism. But, folks, it's a good thing. I said the world hates absolutism. They do. They want to do what they want to do, when they want to do it. And they don't want to feel guilty about doing what they want to do. And so they create relativisms. They say it's all relative. So then that makes it okay. But it's still a good, good, good thing. Because where God-centered, heavenly wisdom resides, then we're out of the if-then. Let's go one more. So how do we conquer this mini-God in ourselves? Uh, because as believers, we have to get to the realm of absolutism. We have to get to where we're going to follow His commands no matter what. No matter what. And know that these commands are true always and forever. How do we get there? Well, first we have to know where we came from. And this is going to be our third verse where we look at death. And you were what? You're dead. He's talking, he's talking to believers. His audience, those are believers. And he looks at the believers and said, you were dead. You were dead. In your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked. Now, anybody, anybody catch... Anybody, is there a seemingly contradiction there? Which is what? How can I be dead and also walk? You can't do that. You can't be dead and you can't be walk unless you're what? Unless you're a walking dead. What, a zombie? Yes. Again, think of those non-believers, those non-believers that we know. 
every single one of them is basically a walking dead. A walking dead. They believe they've got it. They believe they have answers. They believe they know what's going on. They're just walking dead. According to what? They're walking dead because of what? Because they've decided they're going to follow the course of the world. They're walking dead because they have decided that earthly wisdom is the place for them to be. That's why they're walking. They've, they've bought into the course of the world. Not only that, because of what? According to the prince of the power of the air. They're the walking dead, basically, because they've become chained. They're out there. They're out there doing their thing. They're out there believing that they've got full joy, full happiness, full control. But they're chained. They're chained to the earthly wisdom. They're chained to the prince of the power of the air, completely chained of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Think about how sad they are, folks. They're walking dead. They're chained up. They're many gods. And they're just puppets. They're just puppets. Satan's the puppeteer, and he's just, he's pulling the strings. <laughs> they think, they think they've got it, but they don't, not in any form or fashion. Golly, can you think about being chained, being a walking dead, being a, pu being a puppet for a guy like that? Sign me up. <laughs> no, come on, don't sign me up. I don't want that. Ah. But it's important. The reason why, I would, guys, I promise you, we're going to go positive in two weeks, okay? We're going we're to look at uh, godly wisdom, and we're going to spend some time there. But we have to know where we came from. We have to know that this is our starting point. Um, and I know, I know this is... Um, I know it's different. I know it's different in this sense. My wife grew up in a godly family. Oh, my gosh. Her mom and dad just, oh, she, she my wife's blessed. She really, I mean, not just because she has me, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my wife is blessed because of how she was, how she grew up. She grew up with a mom and dad who were just godly people. So when I look at this verse, and I think, does that apply to April? And I think, well, maybe like in a smidgen of her life, that might apply to her in, in that sense. But when I look at me, <laughs> when I look at me, I say, Dan, you need to own this verse. You need to be this verse. And what I'm saying is we're, we're all different, right? We're all different. That that verse is, has been a power in our life for either a smidgen or, or a big, long time. The thing is, we're not going to stay there. As believers, we're not going to stay there. 
we're going to move. And, and the verse tells us that we're moving away from there. And so that's how I want to close is that we've got to, all of us, are we all believers? I just don't know. <laughs> I just hope 100% of us are believers. I, I hope it's 100% of believers in front of me, right? But as believers, we've moved from that, two points, but there are still people we love here, right? There are still people we love dearly who are here. And we need to have that perspective about them. Um, in our Sunday school class today, we talked about trying to be witnesses, glorifying God by being witnesses in all the different ways that we can do that. And the same applies to us. When we have family and friends, we need to see them as they are. We need to see that, that they have bought into all this and they need to escape from that. And the only way to escape from that is through Jesus Christ. We need to be there for them, telling them about. It. Second of all, I want you guys to know that this is not you. And so when we meet again in two weeks, we're going to dive into godly wisdom. And I want you to, I just want you to, to get oh, just the magnitude of godly wisdom. See how good it is. Go that path. Everybody good? Everybody with me? Let's pray. Father God, again, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Yes, I, I have to stand here and say, yeah, a son of disobedience. Somebody who just went crazy in so many ways. And yet you... You didn't allow me to stay there. I praise you and thank you for that. But you got me out of the chains. You said, stop being a puppet. Stop being a mini-god, you idiot. Thank you so much. I just follow the peace and the joy and the goodness, the trueness, the faithfulness that comes just saying, I belong to you now. That's so good. Father, as we move forward into this study, that's my hope and prayer through your Holy Spirit. Uh, may we buy into your wisdom, but may we, may we sense it in just strong, vibrant, alive ways. Help it not to be just a, a list of rules and a list of commandments, but help us to see those rules and those commandments, but help us to see them in a whole different light. It's not a bunch of do's and don'ts, but it's life. It's such a good life. Help us to see that in all the great ways to partake in that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.